right, everyone, welcome back to the Far Out Wisdom Podcast. And I hope that everybody's having a wonderful 2020. I know that's that's really uh, ridiculous to say that we're all getting our asses kicked. And I'm not the only one that's experienced this. This is all over, you know, the world with the pandemic and with the political tension and riots and stuff going all over the world. It's not the United States, just the United States of America, but everywhere else. And um, just remember to take a deep breath and remember to release it out and to take a break from anything that you consider is bad for your health. So anyways, before I begin this uh, episode, I would like to give a shout out to Chris and Tina for their donation to the Far Out Wisdom podcast. I really appreciate you guys. And I believe Tina wanted me to do this episode. Uh, I think she wanted me to do an episode about propaganda, but that's going to be with, um, I believe, with April uh, Rose. Uh, she was on this podcast too, and she's a very interesting person who's very more who's more educated uh, than me with things that uh, you know focuses on propaganda. And she's from Massachusetts uh, in the United States of America, where a majority of communists did uh, infiltrated the schools, and that's going to be a very interesting conversation that I'm going to have with her. But um, I'm in the process of putting her on the schedule so anyways uh as always guys that you guys could make donations you guys could um do so p- uh, via paypal or Vemo. i know you guys don't like pay uh, patreon because of the fact of the matter that they removed uh certain people from the platform so um i'm thinking about removing that completely um I really don't like that subscription stuff, if that makes sense, because I like the PayPal and Venmo that you guys could donate any amount that you guys wish instead of a lock um, subscription. But I'm I, I don't I, I don't know. It really depends on you guys. But you guys could do uh, you guys could support Val, um Venmo, PayPal, or Patreon, whatever works for you guys. I'm not forcing you as long as you guys like, share, comment, keep the conversation going. That's that's all that matters to me. I. I just I love talking about this stuff. I love sharing the wisdom that I come across, and it's really interesting. And I hope that you guys um, really appreciate appreciate me making the time to do this because I really want to do this full time. Um, right at the moment, I'm not wearing any pants, and that's like a really cool fucking job to have. So, anyways, back to the the focus today. So, um, be th- what happened the other day was that we were having technical issues. I was doing a podcast episode with um, Jenner and Phil. Um, I I don't remember Phil's um, podcast, but uh, he has his own. It's on Podbeam as well. I wish I remember what it was. But uh, you guys know Jenner. Jenner's really... We have the same audience. They listen to the same thing, but... um, we were using Squadcast. So Squadcast is like Zencaster. If you guys are not like podcasters, you guys don't probably don't know what, what we're talking about. So Zencaster and Squadcast is a software that we use that um, it's made 
for um, podcasts just to use when they want to inter- interview each other through um, uh, not um, because right, right at the moment I'm using Audacity to record my podcast. I'm not using Zencaster or, or, or anything like that, but it's a it's a platform that podcasters use to um, have each other on and talk to each other, and that's pretty much what it was. But um, anyways, we use Squadcast or we use Zencaster, and Squadcast is a it's a new company. Um, and their quality is much more better in comparison to Zencaster. Um, but the fact that it was, uh, it, it was suspicious. So we knew something was wrong. And, um, Jenner pays for his bills. And a lot of people asked us the moment that we were, we said that we were canceled. They're like, did you pay your fucking bill? Of course we pay our bill. You know, we keep, I, I'm a person of you guys, um, have if I ever had the opportunity to show you guys my schedule um I'm very organized in comparison to Jenner but Jenner was right he did took a screenshot of his uh amount of time that he had and he had enough time guys enough time and and it was just really really fucking stupid suspicious and so we we were talking about like the social justice and um we were basically criticizing and 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 making um I guess we were just like having just a discussion about, you know, the the state of things. And so for some odd reason, guys, for some fucking odd reason, the the time literally just went like to zero. And we with Squadcast, we pay about 20 bucks. Each of us pay 20 bucks for our own subscription because we we're, we're separate podcasters. And we get about like five hours and we didn't talk five hours at all. We talked about like two hours and like 15 minutes and that's pretty much it. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not really sure Jen is going to release that, but, um, if you guys listen, it, it was just like, we had so much technical difficulties. Everything was like dropping every single time. And it's like the connection between all of us. It, you know, Phil was, was the one that was getting kicked majority of the time. And like, it was just really, um, it was just really suspicious. And so we all cancel our just subscription to Squadcast. I have about five hours. I'm probably going to use it with April but um I'm not really sure what we're gonna do but um we know for sure it was due to the fact that we were were having that kind of conversation and nowadays even criticizing um what's going on like white fragility for example by Robert uh Robin DiAngelo for example it's it's a no-go or if we're criticizing critical theory oh no-go if we say we don't agree with BLM for BLM, for example, that's a fucking no go. And so we got counsel. Not not we, but um it was pretty suspicious. But I'm not making a big deal out of it. It's just nothing um of that matter. But um it's 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 something that we have to endure. And if they don't like us on their platform, that's pretty much it. But we're we're gonna continue using uh Zencaster. And, um, yeah, that's what, what pretty much happened. So if you guys really, like I said, if you guys really like the Far Out Wisdom, remember, please, to back me as much as you can financially, because we're going up against something or someone. And, um, you know, if you guys listen to the podcast, Jenner, it's not even, we're not even fucking radicals at all. We're not even remotely far right at all not even far left 
and we got you know kicked and booted for for questioning this and even the, the the thing is it it doesn't matter what political spectrum you are but if you open your mouth and say something that they don't agree with they're just gonna fucking remove you and that's how it is and that's it's scary guys i, I don't give a damn if you're right or left guys say something this is not cool if i get kicked out of a, of a platform you guys are gonna get kicked out of a platform too and um i think it was a youtube called the radical revolution and the reason why I watch I watch them is because I really, I do enjoy Zizek, uh, Slavov Zizek, and uh, he was criticizing Black Lives Matter. He was criticizing critical theory. And guess what happened to their their, you know, their YouTube channel? It got removed. No, it it, it didn't get removed. I'm sorry, it didn't get removed. It got demonetized. And uh, the guy was like, you know, why? It's because you know Zizek, you know, critics criticize. You know, critical theory. He's a fucking philosopher. That's his job. You know, when you when you put forth something, when you put forth an idea, you have to have people that will criticize it. You have to break everything down. That's how ideas work. You have to take the ideas and you guys you have to take it apart and do the best you can. This is what we do as a community, as a society. We need to break down ideas. So that was the situation and, and people were really curious you know we, what did you guys talk about we didn't it's not even it's not even controversial at all but um that's the state that we're living in but during that conversation we were talking up talking about Mao Zedong's China we we're talking about the cultural revolution which is a very interesting period of time a very deadly time as a matter of fact and just a reminder, guys, just a reminder, there's going to be a, a, a red siren going on at the moment, but I'm not an expert, okay? I'm just doing this research for you guys and uh, do your own research about this, okay? Like I said, I'm not a fucking expert. Everything that I say on this podcast is my opinion and just a comparison of... of of what happened in Mao Zedong's China is happening today in the United States of America. The American Cultural Revolution. That's what I'm calling it. So, But um, I did have an episode talking about the Cultural Revolution. But uh, I, I didn't specify uh, what it was. But uh, the American Cultural Revolution is being... Uh, done by the American Red Guards, right? I, I know that sounds really, really, what? The American Red Guards. We have our own version of the Red Guards in Mao Zedong's China. So in comparison, you, we have to kind of move a little bit back to the what the Cultural Revolution was. Okay, now even then to... um begin even defining the cultural revolution. Um, I'm going to read a story from that period of time. Um, not a story from that period of time. Someone who lived uh, during the cultural revolution. Um, on October 9th, a farmer named Zihang Jingying appeared on the television show, Please Forgive Me. 
a program usually dedicated to the public apologies by unfaithful husbands and wayward sons. But the 61-year-old Ziang's apology had a depth and historical weightly rarely seen on that program. In 1969, Ziang had denounced one of his teachers as a rightist, a traitor to China's communist revolution and then Chairman Mao Zedong. Delivered near the height of the, the country's cultural revolution, that charge led to the teacher's public humiliation, um, physical abuse, and firing. In eighth grade, I made the most shameful and humiliating mistake. Zian said on air, my goal in coming here is to give young people a foundation. In order to educate our kids, we have to get rid of the stain. Lasting from 1966 until Mao's death in 1976, the Cultural Revolution was Mao's last grand experiment in social engineering. Calling out China's youth to perpetuate the revolution by rebelling against all authority, except his own. Mao embroiled the country in chaos. Fanatic youth formed barrage, calling themselves Red Guards for their defense of Mao's red policies and publicly criticized, tortured, and even murdered those deemed insufficiently revolutionary. Since August, the apologies of a handful of Chinese who came of age during the Cultural Revolution have found a particularly large audience. Perhaps it's because grisly stories of public torture and mass hysteria appear so distant from the present-day China of high-speed trains, expensive shopping malls, and a growing urban middle class. But for decades after Mao's death, while the Communist Party officially declared the Cultural Revolution a mistake, there's been little public reckoning with that shameful period and officials have steered clear of any detailed accounting of responsibility for the, the crimes engendered. President Xi Jinping has warned that a full repudiation of Mao air policies could lead to a great chaos under the heavens. And Xi's revival of self-criticism sessions in which party officials detail how they have failed to serve the people have incited comparison to Mao's campaign-based politics. While the party has chosen to selectively forget the most gruesome excesses of the Cultural Revolution, some ordinary Chinese are pushing to reveal the gruesome and extremely personal cost of the Cultural Revolution. Using blogs, paid advertisements, and television appearances, some participants in the horrific crimes of the era have begun publicly apologizing to their victims and calling on their countrymen to do the same. The most shocking story to emerge during the recent wave of apologies came from lawyer Zihang Hongbing. In 1966, at the age of 13, Ziheng joined his school's Red Guard unit, making him a foot soldier in the, in the struggle to persecute those who de de deviated from Mao's or orthodoxy. In 1970, Ziheng publicly denounced his mother, Feng Ziong Mua, for slandering Mao during an argument with Ziheng's father. In a letter titled, Exposing the Heinous Crimes of Counter-Revolutionary Feng, Feng Zhang Mua, Ziang demanded his mother to be shot. Several weeks later, she was publicly executed. Beset by grief since 2009, Ziang has, has waged a public campaign to have his mother's grave protected as a historical relic and has repeatedly discussed that the regrets and nightmares that he says have haunted him for decades. I'm proud of having a mother with the spirit of an independent thought. I'm willing to dissect my own humble soul out in the open in front of everyone and to repent openly for my mother, whom I denounced and sent her to her wrongful death, Ziang told Zin Min Weekly. 
a magazine that covered politics in, in September. I want to make people reflect. Why is it that mainly in China, we saw that the tragedy of husbands and denouncing their wives and children turning their mothers into in to die horrible deaths? How can we make sure this tragedy never happens again? As Zihang reflected on that question, additional high-profile apologies emerged in print and on the web. In August, Chen Zia, Zia Lu, son of Chinese revolutionary general Shen Ji, apologized publicly and in person to teachers and his Beijing middle school, whom he had subjected to struggle sessions, a form of humiliation popular during Mao's rule that generally involved intense public shaming and beatings. In October, Chen even organized a class dinner so that he and 14 other students could apologize to a large group of teachers and administrators. Other former Red Guards have used paid print advertisement to detail the crimes and express remorse. This summer, Leon Bu Quinn, a cultural affairs official from Shandong, published his apology for subjecting teachers to struggle sessions in Young Huan Chengquia, a monthly magazine. Uh, I'm sorry, I think I pronounced that incorrectly. Uh, Yang Huan Chengquia, a monthly magazine. With age has, has come deep and painful reflection, Leo Root despite wrote despite the influence exerted by the environment of the cultural revolution when we when one participants in evil they bear a responsibility that can't just disappear these acts of public repentance have incited heated online debate over the historical legacy of the cultural revolution defenders of Mao's legacy have slanted slatter online messages boards with cultural revolution Revolution era slogans like whoever opposes Mao Zedong is an enemy of the Chinese people. Others have claimed that the Red Guards fanaticism maintained the ideological and ethical purity of officials. In contrast to the rampant corruption endemic in China, one commenter wrote, it was precisely because of the Cultural Revolution that no one dared to be corrupt. And it's precisely because of the complete negation of the Cultural Revolution that corruption has sprung up like bamboo in spring. But these calls for the rethinking of the era have opened old wounds for victims of persecution. Some find justification for the movement offensive. One commenter wrote, My father was persecuted until his death during the Cultural Revolution, and I have been an orphan ever since. What more do I need to understand? The public debate about the Cultural Revolution's legacy is only likely to escalate as China prepares to celebrate the 120th anniversary of Mao's birth on December 26th. Even for individuals merely hoping to unburden their consciousness, solace can be difficult to find in a culture that prefers to bury its past. On the television show, Please Forgive Me, Ziyang paid a personal visit to the teacher he had once announced. And at that meeting, Ziyang finally had the, to had the chance to apologize in person. I've forgotten it all, Ziyang's teacher replied. I don't remember those things. So pretty much what is ha what happened in during the Cultural Revolution is it's similar to what is happening today. So to to kind of get into details about, you know, comparing it, because a lot of people are like, you know, it's not the same thing. I'm not I'm not like I said, I'm not say saying that it's going to be like exactly the same, but there's similarities of tactics. So we, we hear a thing called online shaming, also call that culture. It's pretty much the same thing as a form of public shaming. It targets public humiliate, uh, it publicly humiliate, um, humiliate on the Internet, uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Reddit and so forth um, and it's it's pretty much online shaming it, it, it's doxing call out shunning um, negative reviews and revenge porn it's pretty much the same thing and uh, during this period of time the modern day left they shame you for not being lefty enough it's pretty much the same thing that's happening uh, you know if you compare it to during the cultural revolution to what is going on now
And just like I said, that's the reason why I call it the American Cultural Revolution or the American Red Guards that's doing this, you know, um, tearing down the statues and stuff, trying to remove it, etc. So I pretty much have my my tablet right in front of me. So I'm going to I'm going to read you guys the bullet points that I've found along the way. So the Cultural Revolution, formerly the Great Proletarian Cultural Revolution, was a social political movement in China from 1966 until 1976. It was launched by Mao Zedong. Uh, he was the chairman of the Communist Party of China, the C- CPC. The goal was to preserve Chinese communism by purging remnants of capitalist and traditional elements from Chinese society and to reimpose Mao Zedong, um, basically known as outside the outside world as Maoism, um, as it's pretty much like the dominant ideology of the CPC. Uh, the Cultural Revolution damaged it, it, it really did. It damaged China's economy and traditional culture with an estimated debt toll ranging from hundreds of thousands to 20 million. And guys, you can't get this information in China. Okay, they, the CPC, they won. The Communist Party of China would not release this information. Well, they will. They do. And there are survivors and people who participated in the culture revolution who were red guards, who were little kids uh, coming out and speaking about it. And of course, they get censored. Um, and then um, so this continues on. It was put forth in August of 66. Um, Mao Zedong, he met with a student named Song Bin Bin. Um, a leader of the Red Guards on Tiananmen Square of Beijing, uh, which greatly encouraged the Red Guards who then started their massive killing in the city and to destroy the four, four old, which I'm going to, we're going to break that down as we go along. Um, and uh, the method that they used to, I'm talking about the Red Guards, to, you know, purport the Cultural Revolution was um, during the Red August, uh, there was a lot of beatings, whipping, uh, a lot of strangling, trampling, boiling. I know, I know, trigger warning is going to be, it's going to get really kind of disgusting. So if you guys are like kind of disgusted about it, uh, you know, I hope you guys didn't eat. Um, there was a lot of beheadings uh, that happened and um, they used, uh, they killed babies and, um, and uh, tro- children were uh, knocked, knocked against the ground and, um, I know, sliced in half, okay? Uh, many people, uh, including the writer Lao Shi, uh, she, uh, committed suicide after being persecuted during the massacre. Uh, Zidong, he, um, he opposed or publicly opposed any government intervention to the student movement. And Zi Fengji, the minister of Minist- the Ministry of Public Security, also ordered to protect the Red Guards and not arrest them. Okay. They were told, Mao Zedong told Fengxi, hey, don't fucking arrest these students no matter if they're strangling, beheading, or cutting babies in half. This is fucked up. Okay. Um, the situation, the situation was so bad, guys. I mean, 
I, I believe I have the number. I don't have to, I, I think I wrote down the number, but just two years, in just fucking two years, thousands were fucking killed brutally. Okay. Um, and so they had to, by the end of 66, they, the, you know, the, the C- CPC had to take multiple intervention um, that gradually brought the massacre to the end. Yeah, so, um, so I'm gonna, it, it, so now we're gonna specify the massacre. So we're gonna, we're, I'm going to kind of go down uh, and list some of the massacre. So the gang, the most, the most popular one, popular one that I came about was the, the gang, the Guangxi massacre, in which the official record shows an estimated death toll from one hundred thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. Methods of slaughter, including, of course, beatings, uh, liberio, stoning, drowning, boiling people alive. Um, in certain areas, including uh, Wu Suang County and Wumding District, massive human cannibalism, they start to eat each other, uh, occurred even though no famine existed. So they start to consume each other when there was no famine. Um, I, 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 I tried to get more information about it, and I hope that you guys do the same thing. Uh, it's called the... Um, the uh, Guangxi massacre. Okay, so if you guys want to talk about it, comment down below and um, share with others about the massacre to get more details about it. Um, and um, at least 137 people, perhaps hundreds more, were eaten by others, and at least thousands of people participated in the cannibalism. Other researchers have pointed out that in in the county of Lone, 421 people had been eaten, and there were reports of cannibalism across dozens of counties in Guangxi. Uh, and then um, the list of massacres that happened during the Cultural Revolution was the Inner Mongolia incident, the Guangdong massacre, the Young Nen. I think I'm pronouncing this all correctly. The Young Nen massacre, the Hun. Hunan massacre, the Ruji massacre, and uh, there, there's many more. So, the Red Guards, what they did was that they destroyed historical relics, artifacts, and ransacked cultural and religious sites, um, in the nine black categories. And this was an interesting conversation that I had with somebody on Facebook that's a friend of mine a good person and they were saying well the the American Cultural Revolution is not going to be the same as the Chinese version of it and I said sure he has a point see with with Americans we have the fucking balls to shoot you if you dare to chew on our knee okay we are we're gonna say no you're not gonna eat me today boo okay because Americans were very aggressive it's our culture Right, we are. Um, even though we're we're from different races and cultures, Americans have something in common, and that is don't tread on me. Fuck around and find out, and that's pretty much what most of Americans add to are are, including mine. And uh, you know, if somebody's gonna like start fucking chewing on your elbows and shit, of course you're gonna fucking shoot that person. It's not the fact that you want to; is that you do it in self-defense if somebody's gonna try to chew on your ass. So that that's, you know, 
And I, I think that's what he was trying to say. And um, of course, he, he makes a, a, a good a good argument, a good point. So can't deny that. But you can't not see that the same thing is happening again. Uh, but with the American version of our own uh, cultural revolution where they're removing statues and shit. And um, it's just our way to erase our history. And I understand that with the American past, I get it. I understand. I, I understand the United States about our the blood, the blood on the USA's hand. Of course, you guys know. And I'm open. And I say it again. You know, when the United States bombed Cambodia. I get it. I see it. Okay. I understand. So anyways, um, the nine black categories that these people, the Red Guards, that they target. And you guys have to remember, these were little kids. These were tiny babies, you know, in elementary school, middle school, high school, okay, that were doing majority of this killings, okay? The, the, the little guards, the little ones, the little babies had their own organization, but the Red Guards was majority of university students. So th what they do is they kind of have a hit list. Uh, they specify who they, they attacked and who they killed. And the nine black categories were landlords, rich farmers, anti-revolutionaries, people who don't want to get involved, bad influences, I have no idea what that means, right-wingers, traitors, spies, capitalist rotors, and intellectuals. And uh, yeah, you see that again today. You, you see the right-wingers getting attacked. You can't, when you go outside wearing your Make America Great Again hat and you get fucking attacked for it, you get spit, spat on, you get called a racist, a bigot. Um, and um, the thing is, is that even liberals get the fucking bullets. And I, I, I said this already. Even liberals get the bullets. And if you're if you are a libertarian, you get the bullet. Because you're anti revolutionary, of course. If you are even a Yang supporter, you're gonna get the bullet too. Because Andrew Yang is a capitalist pig, right? Well, I, I didn't say that. I'm 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 not the one that's that's calling him a capitalist pig, but the people on the far left that you see today, the one who's destroying the statues and, st and stuff like that, who's who's doing the cultural revolution, they're the one that will put a bullet to your head too. They don't care about you. And I don't, and I, 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 I don't have, know how many times I have to like fucking repeat this. They don't care about you. Okay, if you care about human rights, if you care, they, they hide behind this, guys. They hide behind this notion that they, they care about human rights. But they're the first one to fucking eat you and shoot you. Okay. And, uh, you know, going back from the beginning up to talk about the four olds. The four olds were old customs, old culture, old habits, and old ideas. And, you know, with the American Cultural Revolution, that's happening right now. They're removing our statues from their place, which is, and I, I made this argument in the past before. I don't give a fuck about statues. I don't care whether it's right or left wing. I don't care. Statues are just fucking statues to me. But um, they're symbols of our society. So I understand what the, how, you know, the, 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 the feeling that they have against the Confederates and stuff like that. I fucking get that. But it is a part of us. And it is a part of our society that made us who we are as Americans. And I 
like I said, you know, learning about the American Revolution and stuff like that made me understand the importance of working together because I'm trying, me personally right now, I'm trying to prevent another fucking revel of civil war. But some people said that it's already starting. But um, so I understand the, the feeling, the sensation. I empathize with trying to remove this statue because it was fucking disgusting what how, how people how blacks were treated in the past okay i totally fucking get it i'm on your side but instead of you know going going against or going you know going to destroy these symbols and statues why won't we remove them and put them in a museum and try to remember our past because if we and like i said this the main argument that i made in my my last episode i mean in my previous episode where i talked about the the american cultural revolution is to keep them and learn from them okay and that's that's pretty much how i feel and i'm i'm, I'm firm on that and so they're trying to like remove books. Did you guys know that they're trying to, they, they remove Harper's Lee to kill a mockingbird from being read? Like that's the best book that I recommend for every young kid to read. Because that book made such a dent in my life. And I really appreciate my hit my English teacher doing that. And I absolutely love the book. And I absolutely love everything about the context of just you know, being yourself and being a fucking tomboy and um, learning to love people around you. You know what I mean? And uh, it, because the reason why it, it was, um, I think, I wish I had the article right in front of me, but it was because the fact that it has the N-word in there. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is. So, and um, learning from this and you know accepting the fact that we fucked up you know and so uh, you can't give you, you can't be forgiven at all for the things that were done uh in the past especially if you're white okay and um the 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 old ideas and and another another example that i i think about right away is the um the idea of pronouns and like I said, I will call you by your pronoun. It's it's a, uh, a negotiation between you and I, okay? But when you start to force people to call you by your pronoun, that's when it becomes an issue for me because of the free speech part. Um, I don't believe that you should force anybody to say what you want them to say. And and uh, so that's new. I I started to see this whole pronoun thing start to pop up. You know, when I, you're putting my son into school, you know, they're, they're asking me, they're like, you know, what's his preferred pronoun? Like, what the fuck? He's a boy. He, you know, and that's pretty much what it is. And you can't say that nowadays. And they're like, you know, oh, he doesn't, you know, have you asked how he feels? Like, I, it's, that's, that's all new. And that's pretty much the old custom. They're trying to remove all that. You know, they're trying to remove the. The old culture, the old customs, old habits, and old ideas. And that's removing the idea of the family, for example, is another good one. You know, I, I think I saw a an article. Well, yeah, another article, article where it's a picture of a mom with her children. And the on the bottom of it, on the Twitter account, she was like disgusted with having babies. That's disgusting to them. 
And if you guys are married or if you guys are parents, um, you're like, what the, f you know, it's like, that's pretty much having a, you know, marriage or a relationship is like an old custom to them. So anyways, um, and they started to change. I'm talking about the Red Guards. This isn't, we're going back to China. And uh, they started to change the names of the streets and even took the remains, guys. They even took the remains of the Ming Dynasty. Uh, Wanli Emperor at the Ming Tomes. Um, and the Red Guards, they dragged the remains of the Wanli Emperor and Empresses to the front of the tome where they put, they pretty much denounce okay they cancel and burn the body i think it was just bones by now yeah and they burn the fucking corpse of somebody in the ming the i'm sorry the ming dynasty come on guys do you not see the pretty much the same thing that's going on in america to what it's going on in China during the Cultural Revolution in the 60s. I mean, you, it, removing statues, getting pissed off at dudes 400 years ago is the same thing that the Red Guards are doing and fucking denouncing or canceling a, a body, somebody who died already in the fucking Ming Dynasty and burning them. Do you guys not see the resemblance of the American Red Guards to the Chinese Red Guards? You know? And, uh... <clears throat> so, anyways, it's just like, um... To, I, I feel like it's really frustrating to, talking about this stuff. And I know that you guys really, sometimes, um... Some of you really enjoy me talking about these things. But it's really frustrating to kind of not... Like everything that I say, I feel like I'm talking in circles because everybody, everybody should have that mindset of there's, I mean, so, not everybody, but some people have that mindset of that can't happen here in the United States of America, which is like I said, which is true. America, Americans will fucking shoot you if you, you try to chew their fingers off. I understand that part. But the thing is, majority of the people, the American Red Guards, they're trying, they infiltrated the schools already. It's done. And you hear, uh, you know, you hear the term, the term critical race theory, for example, that's fucking popping up. I talk about it in my, in a podcast again. And these theories are putting to, put into play. They're starting to pop up in universities and institutions. They're starting to leak into the culture. And of course, who doesn't want justice? Who doesn't want equality? Who doesn't want to, who doesn't want freedom? and justice okay if you don't want freedom and justice you're fucking stupid and there's something wrong with you but the problem that we have that i have is that these american red guards think they have they're the ones who would determine what is right and what is wrong and the, and it's just like okay says who you you know and so they they're denouncing people. They're canceling people online. And, you know, with me, with Squadcast, we got our subscription. I got my, my own personal subscription canceled. And then Jenner has, I think he's canceling his himself. But, you know, we can't even have this conversation without it getting shut down. 
You know, it's the same thing. It's the fucking same thing that's happening in 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 Mao's China and in Pol Pot's Cambodia. And the reason why I bring up Pol Pot's Cambodia is because there's a racist part to it. Okay, pretty much the new enemy or their fucking Boraji is white. Okay, white. And a lot of people support, not a lot of people, but some people support white genocide. It's the same thing. The whites are like the new Vietnamese because during Pol Pot's Cambodia, it was the same thing. They were targeting the Vietnamese and blaming the fucking Vietnamese for everything. And this is the same thing that I hear when I was growing up. My dad was just blaming everything on the fucking Vietnamese. It's just they don't take any responsibility for their action or anything like that. And they, 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 they will just go and blame it on somebody else. But in, in Mao's China, they fucking blame it on our old, you know, our old society. Their old society, their old culture, old custom, old habits, etc. In Cambodia, it's the same thing. Um, and they were they pretty much erase everything and start all over again and try to, like, destroy our culture. And it, that's why it's called Year Zero, guys. It's the same thing that's happening in Cambodia, China, in the United States. With the, It's like a mixture of Maoism and Pol Pot's Cambodia together okay that's yeah and and you know teachers are getting kicked out you guys don't uh, duh you know evergreen the situ the situation with evergreen the situation and i don't remember where it was and jenner has it in the beginning of the outreach machine where you know the the professor has to stand like it he goes standing outside and his wife was the one who wrote the letter that you know what's the big fucking deal of wearing a costume and that's the point of halloween and they got canceled and i think he was removed from the university or he resigned but uh, that was a pretty pretty interesting story and there was a story of a teacher who pretty much challenged microaggression and he got removed from his position okay and there's many more stories of teachers, students getting shamed and shit like that. And it's the same fucking thing happening in China, here in the United States. Okay. So anyways, th- th- to, that pretty much sums up the culture revolution. And it was just, you know, for the working class, um, p- putting them, you know, in the... Um, I guess the superior or top of the hierarchy. And um, there was an afterwards. um, The Gang of Four. I want to talk about the Gang of Four. So the Gang of Four. It's really all depends. Because there was also a Gang of Four in Pol Pot's Cambodia. um, That include Langsari, Pol Pot and, and their wives. But the Gang of Four... Um, was a political faction uh, composed of four Chinese Communist Party officials. They came to prominence during the Cultural Revolution in 60, between 66 and 76 and were later, later charged with a series of tre- treason um, tr- uh, charged with a series of uh, treasonous crimes. Uh, the gang's leading figure was Jian Qing. Uh, she is Madame Mao and she's a fucking badass bitch in a bad way. Um, and uh, the... Uh, so she led the thing, Jiang Qing, she led the, 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 pretty much tried to overthrow him. And the other members was Zihang, uh, 
Xian Xiang Qiao, Yao Wen Yuan, and Wang Hongwen. And uh, they pretty much tried to like overthrow him, but uh, was unsuccessful uh, in doing so. And um, Xiang Quin committed suicide in jail. I, I don't remember what happened to the other three. I be- obviously they got fucking executed, but um, or in jail, um, in prison for life. Because if you challenge the dictator, you get thrown to the fucking gulag, the gulag. Okay. So the the things that that we're seeing today is more like it's like a race struggle uh, derived from critical race theory, um, and it came from conflict theory, um, and that came from Karl Marx. Um, and it, it, to me, I see it as like a, it's like a I know this sounds. I, like I said, I'm not a fucking expert, but it's just my observation of it. But it's like post postmodernism, with like a fucking mixture of Marxist Leninism, Maoism, Pol Pot's Cambodia, um, and like like a fucking sprinkle of Pol Pot's Cambodia on top of the fucking ice cream. All right, and it's like like I said, the Vietnamese is now the whites here in the USA, um, and to to kind of break it down a little bit more further is that um you know conflict theory it was it was very influential in modern and postmodern uh, you know theories of sexual and racial inequality uh peace conflict peace and conflict studies and it's like many varieties of identity study that have you know that rose across western academic in the past several decades right um in, in, in CT or conflict theory, like I said, it was it was put forth by Karl Marx, and the theory is that the, the state is in like it's in a constant conflict. Uh, it's because of competition due to limited resources, and then it, it, conflict theory holds that like the social order is maintained by the dominant power. All right, and Karl Marx, I kind of agree with him on on that, you know. And like, um, and to, to to add a little bit more on it, you know, it, well, I agree with Karl Marx, but um, uh, I'm pretty sure that I really need to educate myself a little bit more on conflict theory to kind of say if he's correct or not, or if he's wrong. Because to me, I think that like, you know, you can't say you agree or disagree with somebody in an absolute sense unless you kind of, you know, not kind of, but if, unless you educate yourself on the material and because that's only fair. You know what I mean, guys? So, like, so conflict theories start to kind of, you know, fall apart. Um, and the, the in the 1930s and the 40s, German philosophers, known as the Frankfurt School, um, they develop critical theory. Um, it's more like an elaboration of Marxist principles. Um, critical theory is an—it's pretty much an expansion of conflict theory, and is more broader than sociology, and it, it includes social sciences and other philosophy. Um, and critical theory attempts to address structural issues causing inequality. Um, 
it must explain what's wrong in the current social reality. Um, identify the people who can make changes and provide practical goals for social transformation. And critical race theory, CRT, looks at structural inequality based on white privilege and associated with wealth, power, and prestige by whites. Um, the Frankfurt School of Marxist critics um, include, uh, I, I can't pronounce this, I, I'll pronounce their last name. It's uh, Lucas Harkenheimer. O'Donnell and and Marcuse, and uh, pretty much their agenda, their 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 end goal. Um, to summarize it the best that I can was to basically mix Marxian economic theory to Freudian psychoanalytic theory um, to explain the rise of fascism. Um, and the reason that that the communist revolution was not taking place in Western dem- democracy as been predicted by Karl Marx, and um, pretty much they they, they wanted to per- make it vis- visible of the underexamined um, or the you know the hidden presuppositions or like assumptions of power dynamics, for example, the society in question criticize and especially prom- problematize them. So the issue of power dynamics, social, uh, societal stuff, like especially inequality, you hear it a lot, you know, uh, social justice, inequality, and, and all that. And um, it, it's it's pretty much the common revolution has not come yet, and have not yet uh, successfully spread throughout the West, is that something in liberal Western culture must be preventing it, uh, preventing from communism from happening. And pretty much the goal of the critical critical theory in that sense was to identify what those issues were and find a way to dismantle them um, to bring forth a communist revolution. And you see this a lot in, you know, queer theory, fat studies, disability studies. And uh, it's it's a whole lot of, you know, crap <laughs> that came forth from it. And t- to be a little bit honest with you guys, you know, I, I totally get. And, and, and I highly recommend you guys watch Herbert Marcuse. There's a good documentary about him on YouTube. And Herbert Marcuse, I have his book, uh, One Dimensional Man. I think that's what it's called. Oh my god, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I shouldn't have my book of books, but I believe it's One Dimensional Man. I don't have a Jamie. Uh, let's see, Herbert Marcuse. That's book. My internet's really slow today. It's, you know, internet starts to kind of mess up when you are, it's hot. Let me see. It is called the, yeah, One Dimensional Man. Okay, I was right. I was right. And um, I would say Marcuse is probably my favorite person to read. And there, you can't, okay, just because, and this is what I was talking about the other day about Noam Chomsky. And Noam Chomsky is getting canceled, not by his own fucking team per se, but majority of the side, the spectrum that he's on. He's with these people and he was getting canceled when people was like, you know, fucking retire already, Noam Chomsky. So to, to just because I disagree with, you know, the Marxists, you know, just like I said earlier with Karl Marx talking about conflict theory, 
and and Marx took that from I guess uh, Hegel, and he talks about the slave and the owner uh, comp uh, dynamics. I get, I think that's what it is. And uh, just because you disagree with something that they wrote doesn't necessarily mean that you have to project their ideas completely. And there are some things that Herbert Marcuse say, you know, that that I totally agree with. Um, and, uh, you know, d d talking about capitalism and stuff like that, I kind of see things that I see as messed up too, you know. And uh, talking about like the corporations and stuff like that um, in our society nowadays is, you know, the corruption. And um, my right wing friends are, you know, pro capitalist, for example. That's that's fucking awesome. That's great. However, we're talking about the corruption and the welfare state of it. You know, they get they get bailed out. You know, big corporations like Walmart, Target, um, Amazon and all these big fucking businesses and stuff like that. They get a bailed out. And this is where I was talking about earlier about, you know, Barack Obama, you know, bailing, bailing these people out, these banks and stuff. And that pisses me off because now the working class, you know, they get screwed over in this entire thing, you know, during, I think, the economic crisis when when Obama took in after Bush. And, uh, and this is why I don't necessarily agree or I don't agree with the right or left wing here in the United States of America because I believe both of them are pieces of shit. And I believe all these old po politicians should get fucking purged from their position because they're not doing anything for us and our society. So, but um, Herbert Marcuse, you know, makes great points. Um, you know, you can't, there's good points and there are bad points. And we have to remember that these conversations needs to happen regardless of your political position. I don't necessarily agree with communism. You see, the beauty thing about me, guys, is that, um, I know that sounds really conceited, but the good thing about me is that I have Marxists on my profile, um, on my Facebook, and I see them post and they provide good arguments against capitalism. Now, do I believe that just because I see some bad things with capitalism that I, I, I automatically, you know, agree with Marxian economic theory? Absolutely not. You know, but there's good things and bad things that we take and we learn from from it. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So that's what that I'm trying to say. And, and of course, you know, just like I said, Herman Marcuse, Marcuse went on TV and he talks about, you know, it being anti-intellectual, the movement that he made. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I want to see. That's, that's, that's why I respect him because he's willing to say, Hey, you know, my movement that I've created, um, it's anti-intellectual, you know? And so he called it out and you know, just like Jean, Jean Paul Sartre, I don't know if you guys know this, but he was a French communist and even then he was like, wow, the evidence is there and I have to reject this. Of course, he never not stopped being a communist or anything like that. But he's like, you know, we fucked up. And that's that's pretty much who the people that you kind of have to like listen to. This is just my recommendation or my 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 observation um, that, you know, when somebody's willing to admit they're wrong, regardless of their political spectrum, I go, that's, that's good. That's progression. That's progressive. That's being progressive. You don't have to necessarily drop your position all the way. But if something doesn't work or something's not working, you know, let's try to kind of tweak it a little bit. Now, of course, you hear that saying, you don't, don't fix something that that's not even broken. Good point as well, you know. 
Um, but the state of things nowadays, and regardless if you are a right wing or a left wing, you guys know that we have issues here in the United States that needs attention. Our debt is in the trillions. I'm not really sure we're going to pay it. You know, my son's going to be in this fucking country. He's going to end up paying it. His kids' kids going to have to pay it for it. And so we are in this debt at the moment. And we're, we have homelessness here in California because of failed liberal policies. Okay, we have an epidoy. Uh, we have a drug problem here in the United States of America because the fact that we are allowing this. The drug war is very interesting. I, I'm probably going to have a libertarian come on and talk about this, but you know, to end the drug war is the first step of doing something about it. And um, it's really complicated. And I think it was like another post that I came across. So libertarians, they're pro like, you know, prostitution and stuff like that because it's it's their choice, their body. They can do whatever they want to do with it. And if they want to sell sex, by all means. And um, one of my friends was saying that, you know, ban porn. And that somebody told a libertarian answer. And he was like, you know, if you ban pornography, well, guess what? There's going to be a black market for it. Right? And so if there's a black market, then a lot of bad shit's going to happen. And the, you know, sexual exploitation of, of, of unfortunately, young children and stuff like that's going to make it worse. Because there's a, a need for it. And if you, you know, ban pornography or, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, to me, this is my, my position on prostitution is that, you know, why not? They're going to fucking break it anyways. Sex sells. Prostitution is the oldest, you know, job. Some people like, you know, prostitution is not the fucking job. But it's the oldest job till this date. I mean, in, in Romans time, in Greeks time, you know, like during those, you know, it's, it, it has been around a long time, a long time. And I don't see the point of making it illegal because people are just going to continue to do what they want to do. Okay, now the drug part is like, I don't understand why in California weed is legal in the West Coast, majority of West Coast is legal. So, you know, all of us is like, woo, fucking weed. I don't understand why weed is, you know, bad to some people because it really helps. I have been, um, like I said, I, I do it, you know, smoking drunk, doing, I do it during drunk philosophy and it really helps me relax my mind. And when I get like a little bit stressed out, I kind of like take a puff here and there. But I don't smoke it every single time because it makes me kind of anxious after a while. And, and I'm not that, you know, not for that. But, um, you know, the, the you know, psychedelics, for example, don't fucking understand why that's illegal. You know, it really helps with depression and all that stuff. And like, I don't want to take medication for my depression or anxiety because I feel like there's an alternative or there's like a nature uh, nature's you know she's there and she's like you know I know to I know a way to heal you and so you know it's old you guys know what I'm saying like this this whole political game of right and left is fucking old and and I, I know this kind of is it's gonna sound really mean and messed up but we made the American Red Guards that we see today because of how fucking shitty we are to each other. Okay? It's to the point where they want to remove everything of our, our history, the American history, because of how bad, you know, we are to each other. And I'm not saying that you should not um, 
for, forget and you should forgive right away. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the American Red Guards is there because they're indoctrinated, for example. So this is the fault of the fucking left. Because when you don't have right wings to come and counter your argument or arguments or your idea, you create a fucking echo chamber and you make you make the American Red Guards too because it's not fair. This issue that we see today is it's basically the right and left not coming together because boom, you made these young kids and we're fucking up our young generation. We are. And it makes me angry because majority of this young generation. So there's a video, a viral video of, of I believe it's like a socialist convention. And they were like, you know, snapping their fingers, tapping their hands and stuff like that. Because it makes me angry. It's because you fucking red guards or you communists are taking advantage of these poor kids these people with disability, you're using their sexuality, you're using their identity, their sense of self as a weapon to bring forth your stupid fucking communist revolution in the in Americas. And of course, of course, I understand that people are going to say, oh, well, you're fear mongering. No, the, the evidence is there. And I'm going to make another podcast to talk about like the propaganda that's being put forth by both the right and the left trying to win fucking power. And like these poor children, these poor people are being used as a fucking pawn for these political people that are freaking dinosaurs in power right now. Remove them. Find something because we have issues here in the United States of America that were too fucking focused on race and identity to the point where that people are suffering that shouldn't be fucking suffering at all. Our healthcare system is a problem. Why are there people sleeping in the streets? Why do we have an uptake of, of drug addiction? Why do we have people who are unhealthy? No, nobody, everybody's all about themselves. They think about themselves. Oh, well, that's true. Personal responsibility, right? And so when you have personal responsibility, there's some things people cannot control. And this is the, the I believe, the, the thing that Eric asked Dr. Peterson during in Dave Rubin he asked well what about things that you know the individual cannot control like the economy for example they can't control that right and so there like for instance when you are schizophrenic for example you cannot control it control it you can do your best that you can to take medication things like that but then you're going to have an episode where you're going to like you know break out of it um there's there's some things this is the stoics there's some things you can and some things you cannot control. What if the things we cannot control is the one that's making everything worse for everybody else, right? And so we're talking about personal responsibility in the individual level, but what about personal responsibility? What about responsibility for the collective level? Why are we treating each other like this? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And guess what? Rebred these kids to do the things that they do activism stuff like that because they're fucking sick and tired of seeing injustice happening and you guys have to admit it injustice is happening america is it, america is not necessarily like this fucking perfecto society and god bless the usa right i say it too i'm very happy that my parents brought me you know in the united states of america because i have the constitutional right to speak my mind and things like that and the things that i'm given 
the freedom that I have. I totally understand that. I'm not unpatriotic or anything like that. I'm not saying that I hate America, United States of America or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is that we are so focused on protecting our tribe that we're letting the whole people are suffering in the process. The middleman, the people that are innocent in this whole entire thing. Okay. You know, talking about like, you know, for example, critical race theory, which I think is fucking disgusting and stupid. For example, you know, blame it on whites. Let's put white people at the bottom of the fucking hierarchy. Like, I don't understand that shit. Fighting racism with racism. I don't get that shit. It doesn't work in my liberal brain. I don't understand that at all. And so these, the, the, the far left is making it harder for people like me. The far right is making it harder for people like me. You know, it's like, you, you can, I feel like we're in a circle of things and that these destructions, destruction of our cultures, our culture and our principle and things like that, it's, it's a mixture of everybody. And you remember when I talked about Pol Pot's Cambodia? The first thing, and this is why I have to feel, I feel like I have to answer this. I have to say something about it. It's because I'm Cambodian. And the moment that I, I say that I'm Cambodian, everybody just ears just perk up. And they're like, oh, the Cambodian genocide. That's the first thing that pops in your fucking head, right? Not, I shouldn't say fucking head. That's the first thing that pops in your head. That's the first thing you notice. Is the moment that you hear Cambodians, you automatically think about the Cambodian genocide. So I have to answer for it, right? I'm not the only one. And and again, red alert. You know, I don't speak for all Cambodians. Every Cambodians have different opinion about the Cambodian genocide. Some like the idea of Noam Chomsky, for example, and his opinion. No, I can't fucking stand Noam Chomsky and his 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 observation of Cambodia. But at the same time, I'm not going to reject Chomsky and his ideas. I mean, that's the, the whole point of it is to have the big fucking picture. To have the big, big picture from both the right and the left. To kind of complete the whole portrait. And that's the same thing. In Cambodia, a lot of people will go right away, you know, and, and say, hey, you know, the Khmer Rouge fucked up. And they did. The Khmer Rouge fucked up. That's what I'm going to say. Pol Pot fucked up. And he didn't take any fucking responsibility for it. But you know, the thing that he said to Nate Thayer after he died, he wanted the West to win. Because he got fucked by the Chinese. He got fucked by the Vietnamese. And he got fucked by Prince St. Nuke. It's pretty much the same thing. They all fucked each other. Even the United States of America screwed Pol Pot and all that over. Everybody played a part in it. Everybody. The United States, the Soviet Union, China, they all played a part in it. Of the destruction of Cambodia. And this is what's happening today. And this is why I brought up Pol Pot's Cambodia. Because everybody is it. It's the responsibility of everybody that these young, these youth, they're so angry. Well, what's going on? And we're not listening to each other. We're all like constantly just butt, butting heads. The fucking donkey, the jackass versus the elephant. Just constantly for just bumping heads over and over and over again. And I'm a little more critical of the left. And the reason why I'm more critical of the left is that you are a party that states that you fight for compassion, that you fight for the working class, right? But you don't. You'll end up in the streets just like all the American guards and causing destruction to our society for what? With the rioting and the looting. For what? Because you're angry that a black man was killed? I'm on your side. I totally fucking agree. I'm on your side. And I hate talking about this stuff over and over again. 
But when you destroy businesses and cause a riot, you're hurting the working class. You're hurting the people that you represent. And this is why I can't stand the fucking Democrats today. Because you are supposed to be the party of the working class. But you're not. And when, when with the COVID-19 spike, in the beginning, when I saw COVID-19, I was like, okay, there's a virus going on. And I think I caught it already, to be honest with you guys. Because in back in February, I felt really fucking sick. And there's an episode that I recorded where I found like really nasally. I felt like I had a flu, um, but I wasn't really sure what it was. But um, with COVID-19, the riots and the looting, you guys went to a fucking protest during a pandemic. Okay? And this is the right to. They had an open California you know, protest. Everybody, like I said, there's, everybody's being selfish during this pandemic. And I'm the person, the, the liberal, that's right in between the right and the left. Watching these people because I wear a mask. I don't know about you guys. I wear a mask. I go out and I think about other people and I wear a mask and I have asthma. A lot of people don't recommend me to wear a mask because I've had asthma because it constrict oxygen level. But I still wear it anyways because I think about other people. Okay. And like nobody thinks about anybody anymore. Sorry, I hit my, my microphone. Nobody thinks about anybody. It's the right versus the left here in the United States of America. And then we have these fringe fucking weirdos going about in our, our, our society nowadays, taking out fucking statues and shit. Just even, even targeting Frederick Douglass statue. An African-American man. You know, and I think it's like in Sweden, I believe, where they wrote a on a fish, they say racist fish or something like that. It's so fucking stupid, but that's in Swedish. And I mean, Sweden. But the thing is, is that nobody knows what they're doing anymore. Nobody knows who they're fighting for, fighting for anymore. You know, it's like I don't understand the activism nowadays. Okay. I don't get it. And the result of this is due to the fact that nobody's taking fucking responsibility. Everybody's pointing the finger to other people and just like pointing fingers, pointing fingers. I don't know. I don't have the solution per se, but all I can say is that read history books. And just like I said, fucking read. Open a book. All the information's there for you. YouTube has documentaries about the Cultural Revolution, and I suggest you guys watch that documentary. Watch the documentary on the Tiananmen Square Massacre and tell me how dangerous the CCP is. And we live, we, our youth wants socialism. Okay. Well, socialism is like, a little, I think socialism is like the economic process. Or uh, McCall Jones said it perfectly. It's more like the, the program. I thought that was pretty cool the way he said it. But like they view Lenin and Stalin and stuff in a good light, guys. Okay. And of course. You know the the you know the the radical left are going to say, well, the United States of America they did some bad shit. I I'm on your side too. I see it. You know I, the the Afghanistan war. You know that fucking Bush put us in for 20 years. You know we're in this war and we're, we're drawing from the Middle East. 
we made things, we do things, our actions have consequences. The moment that you put your energy out, it's going to come back. I don't know. Small, medium, large, 20 times the fold, and it's going to be aggressive or it's going to be not. And it's more like karmic energy that's happening all over. And we don't understand how much of a difference that we make towards one another. If only we think about our actions and the way and how we treat each other, maybe, maybe that's the solution. And people kind of just like open their fucking eyes a little bit and see that there are things that you do that's bad for other people in the process. And so, you know, like, for example, like I stopped posting bad things on my Facebook because I don't want this garbage information to my friends. Like, I have a duty towards them too. And so I like making people laugh with dumbass memes. And that's that's my way of contributing to your day and, and having this podcast and talking about these things because I love sharing information. I love sharing knowledge because that's the, the, the beauty of it. Knowledge is power. You hear that a lot in, in school. Knowledge is power. I, you know, in school, in middle school, you see that poster of, you know, everybody working together as a team. And this is why, I, again, why I'm a little bit more critical of the, 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 the radical left because you guys are supposed to be like a part of compassion and against racism. The majority of you motherfuckers are white, you know, and you're beating people of color and destroying fucking businesses and stuff like that. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. The American Great Guards is our creation. And the first thing that we do, I don't give a fuck if you're right, libertarian, I don't give a damn if you're conservative, I don't give a damn if you're Republican or a Democrat, moderate, or a liberal, philosophically. We have an issue going on. Our own little American culture revolution. Either we get angry at each other and fight and fist fight and start fucking shooting each other, or we learn to work with one another. You choose. And remember your action has consequences. As always guys, stay far out. Bye.